Hello, everyone. I am Chris Hyams, CEO of Indeed, and welcome to the next installment of Here to Help. This is our look at how Indeed has been navigating the global impact of COVID-19. Today is February 15th. We're on day 349 of global work from home. And as you all know, at Indeed, our mission is to help people get jobs. And this is what gets us out of bed in the morning and what keeps us up at night. And we started this podcast back in April as a way to share how we were working to help people in the midst of this unfolding crisis. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Linnea Small, Senior Manager for Global Strategic Partnerships on Indeed's Social Impact Team. Linnea, thank you so much for joining me. No problem. Thank you. Well, let's start where we always start these with a quick check-in. How are you doing today? Doing, doing good. Um, uh, had a great U day um, and uh, taking it day by day in our sort of extended, uh, you know, pandemic quarantine, working from home and doing what I can to keep positive, take long walks, you know, read a lot of memoirs by comedians. So that's how I'm staying, staying happy and, and whole. That's great. Well, let's let's start with your role. Um, on the strategic partnerships team of the social impact group. Can you talk a little bit about your role and what you do to help people get jobs? Yeah, so um, I lead our team, our strategic partnerships team globally. And like our uh, global social impact team does, we're also focused on helping job seekers overcome bias and barriers in the hiring process. Um, we kind of do that in two ways, you know, trying to find um you know, ways, tools to demystify the hiring process for job seekers so they know what to expect and put their best foot forward. And then also working with our clients to identify solutions so that they can also hire more inclusively. And so we see global partnerships is almost like a way to design and test new solutions and interventions. And we work both on our platform and off our platform. And when we find something that works, we, we scale it. Um, and so we have two partnerships so far um, in North America. It's Goodwill Industries International. And then uh, we recently launched uh, a partnership with Shaw Trust in the UK. Um, and in between, we, we've also worked with clients like JP Morgan Chase as well. So you have a you have an interesting background. Before we get into uh, the, the actual work that, that you're doing, I would love to hear a little bit about... Um, and I know that you grew up in several different university communities in both the U.S. and the Caribbean. Uh, how did that shape your career path and your interests? Yeah, well, you know, I think, first of all, it just made me, I think, more open minded. I think when you're in a university community, it means that you're meeting people from all over the world. Um, and so grew up learning lots of different languages, um, you know, speaking different languages to communicate with people. Uh, but I think also it was a really great opportunity to just get perspective about possibilities, different career paths. And I would say, you know, my parents' friends were all the type of people that were trying to solve really big challenges. So when you're hanging out with the adults, you're kind of listening to what they're talking about, you know, listening to people say things like, oh, yeah, you know, or, you know, the research is going well, we're trying to find a cure for heart disease, or, you know, my mother's friends are all you know, their focus was uh, addressing inequalities in maternal health and women's health globally. And so you're learning lots of things just from osmosis. And um, it just kind of put in my mind that, you know, that's what a career looks like. It looks like you're really passionate. Um, you are, are doing something that helps, you know, others and not just, you know, your own personal um, goals. And I think most importantly, from a, a representation perspective, you know, I was surrounded by people of color who were really amb ambitious and passionate 
and um, found a lot of meaning in the work. And so it, it meant like, well, that's the kind of model. Obviously, I can do that too. Doesn't matter if you have money or not. I mean, certainly education is a, a luxury and a privilege to have. But, you know, most of those individuals that I grew up with and their parents, you know, they didn't come from money. And so I think um, for me, it just, uh, you know, was really inspiring and a great way to grow up uh, with all those types of, you know, mini experts around you that you could ask questions and, and get, you know, homework help with. <laughs> So, so it sounds like you were exposed to, to people who were thinking and working on really big problems. How did you land on employment and workforce development as an area that was interesting to you? Yeah, well, I think I took a, a little bit of a path. I grew up with a lot of more science-based, um, you know, that's my, you know, my parents, that's kind of what they pursued. And so I kind of kept progressively trying different things and, um, you know, kind of settled on this idea of like business being something that I wanted to work within, like trying to find a way to have social impact or impact a positive social impact within business. And I didn't grow up with a lot of people who understood that. Um, and so I went to grad school uh, because people had been saying to me for a while, like, you should just start your own business. Nothing exists. I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about. Sounds great. Go, go figure it out and start your own thing. And it wasn't really until grad school, and I would actually even say my last year of grad school, where I discovered that there was a whole community, you know, that small, but they were all focusing on subjects that I resonated with. So sustainability and, and social impact, social enterprise, uh, project finance, and all these types of things that I was like, oh, this is the language that I'm looking for. And so when I was looking for my first job after grad school, I was very focused. I was like, I want to do this as my full-time job. I want to work as a consultant so I can try different things and learn new things. Um, and I got, you know, really lucky with finding my first job that was a really great formative experience where I worked on a variety of issues from environmental sustainability to, you know, human rights. And it was actually with one of my, a client that I didn't think would become my favorite client, but became my favorite client just because they were just so open to change. Um, but it was a large, um, extractives company that had been around for hundreds of years that, you know, was finally realizing that when they're going into communities, there's more that they should do than just think about the environmental impact and their regulatory impact. And so we were at a critical moment when they were um, having to deal with sort of riots and, and protests in, in their, uh, in their, near their facilities. Um, and the reason why was because the community in question had an unemployment rate of, you know, almost 90 something percent. Um, and they had never thought that maybe there should be a jobs component or a skills training component to their sustainability and social impact work. But that was like the first lightning, you know, sort of lightning bulb moment of, okay, we should do this. And, and you know, so, so I literally was crafting a strategy of like, okay, so what roles could be, you know, you know, you, you could just do some little bit of training, what roles require sort of exposing them to sort of degrees where they'd have to get more skills so they can come and work into your, your, your environment. But that was like the first like thought bubble of like of jobs and skills and training are really important. And then subsequently, all these different experiences that I had after that kind of reinforced it. And so by the time I had an opportunity to work at the mayor's office, where it was exclusively focusing on workforce development for young people, it just seemed so clear that this was why certain communities, you know, uh, and individuals weren't able to advance professionally and personally was because, you know, they didn't get exposed to this. I, I grew up in a university community, so I saw lots of different careers, could ask a lot of different questions, but a lot of uh, these young people that we were focused on did not have that. And so it was our job as, you know, the public sector to introduce them 
um, to those types of options in school through extracurricular activities. And, you know, we really had a passion for making sure that in New York City, where we have all this incredible diversity and we have this really dynamic um, uh, sort of uh, cultural center with a lot of business, that the young people who are walking these streets every day know and have the tools and information to take advantage of the incredible career opportunities that are in the city. And so it was, you know, one of the exciting parts of it was that I could see these young people, I could take them into you know, incredible corporate offices and just have their eyes like, oh, wow, like this is a job. <laughs> um, so many times I would hear like, you know, 15 year olds being like, wow, you get paid for this. Um, and it was really great because then they could go back home and they could tell their parents and they could start planning out their studies with that in mind in terms of like how they can build their career and, and really change the future, um, not only for themselves personally, but for their families. So it was really, you know, it really, really, you know, resonated with me that this was kind of where I needed to be. So you spent time working in, in the mayor's office in, in the biggest city in, in the country here. Um, when you came to Indeed, what did you see as some of the big challenges here coming from something that yeah. clearly has, has a lot of challenge built into it? You know, I mean, maybe this is like the problem with wanting to solve big challenges um, is that you you're like, oh, I, you know, New York is just a city. I mean, yes, it's the biggest city in the country, but like there's the world out there. And I think, you know, just my own personal experiences of, you know, living in France and being a student in France, like the, what I saw some of the, the systems and similarities and sort of workforce development, jobs and opportunity across the world. And so, you know, before um, I went to the mayor's office, I'd always had more of a, like a global perspective in my work. And so for me, it was like, well, you know, this is great. Not that we fixed everything in New York, but I learned a lot. And I was like, well, how can we take this into the core work that we're doing at Indeed and, and bring sort of a workforce perspective, which is pretty unique for any sort of social impact team within a company, um, bring that globally. Um, and obviously the fact that, you know, Abby Carlton <laughs> was leading this work gave me a lot of confidence that we could do this. Um, but yeah, it was the opportunity to go bigger and, and work on a different scale. And certainly, you know, uh, you know, that really excited me. So before the pandemic, you were responsible for leading our partnership with Goodwill, which is um, really the centerpiece in, in the U.S. Of, of our social impact work over the last year, year and a half. Um, how did the pandemic change the nature of our relationship? Well, I'd also even say that like there's been a seismic shift in the space of workforce development since COVID. Um, you know, I think when we were designing the Goodwill partnership before COVID hit, uh, you know, we were going to leverage the strengths of Goodwills and workforce development nonprofits and organizations across the country, which is essentially that they provide very sort of high touch, customized um, engagements with job seekers. And that's what they do best. And so almost everything that we had in our original scope of work for this partnership was going to be in person, um, lots of engagement, lots of people together in, in small spaces, not socially distanced. And, um, you know, I think that we had to radically change because, you know, they needed us to change. I mean, most of the Goodwill organizations were not delivering virtual services. And then it kind of like flipped and we're like, well, that's what we do really well. And so as you all saw in the video, you know, we really had to pare down and focus. Um, and we decided to focus on like the essential things that we felt that Goodwill and their job seekers needed uh, to get through this crisis. And I think, first of all, we knew that 
it was really a challenging environment for the Goodwills. Uh, a lot of them have you know, lost staff, some of our fellows. Um, we, we selected 12 fellows in 2020 to work very closely with. Um, you know, some of them lost 85% of their staff. I mean, no retail revenue and being closed means that we can't keep some of these positions open. And so the crew navigators that were still working really had to focus with sort of emergency triage for job seekers and helping them get connected to you know, unemployment benefits. And so that's where we stepped in and said, well, we really need to beef up our landing page. And so for those who are ready to work, they're finding exactly what they need. And so the landing page has sort of all the tools, very special sort of link to um, the career guide, which Job Seeker Experience worked really hard to kind of keep updated um, with the latest information around COVID supports. They could get that there. They could also search for hiring events in their area. Um, so it was just like very rapid information in addition to um, a new um, service that we provided to the landing page, was, which was virtual resume review, which is one of the biggest things that Goodwill provided for job seekers in person. Um, we also, for job seekers who, you know, were you know wanting to receive sort of updates regularly on their phone or through their email. We we created an email um, campaign that we sent out every every week with just sort of here are the immediate um, job opportunities in your area. Here um, are, are is where you can go to find information around COVID. And then I think lastly, one of the things we did is that you know there are so many people that needed help in this moment. And as we knew when we started the Goodwill Partnership. Many people don't know that that's what Goodwill does. They don't know that they have this sort of support arm. And so we really realized that we should really be introducing you know, Goodwill to our job seeker community. And so in collaboration with Job Seeker Experience, we started having um, Goodwill fellows participate as hosts for our job casts, um, contributing to articles on topics uh, that were relevant that they knew a lot about. Um, and I think that in the end, it really led us to be a little bit more creative in some of our solutions and Goodwill really collaborated with us on this this concept of sort of these drive-through hiring events. So hiring events pre-COVID had been really successful for Goodwills. And so we had one partner um, uh, who spoke in the video, Tara from Northwest North Carolina and, and their, their team, um, through their university partnerships, they have access to all these really large parking lots. So we just like, you know, they just turned the, the parking lots into hiring events and just had people drive through and and that was really great. And, and that you know, was a way to get a lot of people hired very quickly. Um, we also had a Goodwill um, in uh, a Goodwill of Fort Worth who integrated Indeed into their intake process. So uh, when a job seeker comes into the door um, and uh, needs support, they're making sure they create a, uh, an account on Indeed, upload their resume so that they can start engaging with them very efficiently. And we actually had one particular job seeker that was hired um, under like really not ideal circumstances, which was that she was working 80 hours a week. She had no transportation, no high school um, diploma. Uh, she had a background and she only had access to internet once a week. And so by having her sign up on Indeed and having an account, getting job alerts, when she called her career advisor in that moment where she could be at a computer once a week, it was super efficient. And that really helped her find a job and she was able to, you know, um, she had multiple jobs before and she was able to get hired on you know one job that allowed her to pay most of her bills and so that was really really great for her and her family um and then i think lastly one of the things that we did with goodwill that was really really great was they were a critical partner uh, for the virtual hiring tour and helped it really come to life locally um we had over 75 goodwills participate uh, and the support that they provided, you know, some of them were participated as employers, but uh, most of them participated as 
providing local support. So job training classes, one-on-one coaching sessions, um, getting people's technology um, uh, prepared. Um, so where are you going to do this? Do you need a space? Maybe you should come to the Goodwill to do your, your virtual interview. Um, just techniques so that they weren't um, caught off guard or, or uh, you know, they could really work go seamlessly um, and take advantage of the virtual hiring tour. And so that was really great. And then I think the, the most important thing that we learned as part of that process was just the importance of a free and reduced cost internet, um, which was part of the Goodwill partnership for, for, for job seekers that needed that. They were providing them with information about how to access that. So it was really great. Um, and I think the lessons from, from this past year have really just been about focusing on the essentials, you know, you know, things that maybe don't seem very exciting, <laughs> which is just getting people to get accounts, get, that, get their resumes on Indeed. Um, so they can take advantage of all the offers and they can get hired really quickly or were really, really important. And I think going into this year, we're really focused on doubling down on that and also, you know, making sure that we're training both the career navigators as well to, to be able to support the job seekers now that they have the capacity to do so. So can you talk a little bit about some of the unique challenges that uh, job seekers with barriers or more vulnerable job seekers are facing right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, this has come up, I think in several of your, your conversations before, but I think, you know, the inequality of this crisis is pretty striking. Um, I was attending a, a conference last week and, and one of the speakers said that it, it's been business as usual for inequality. You know, people who were doing well are doing even better and the people who could least afford it are have been the most impacted. And so, you know, we know that as, as women, um, you know, black uh, communities, Latinx communities, low income job seekers that were on the front line of those jobs that were disproportionately impacted, that were already making like less than $40,000 a year. Um, but now they have lost their only income. And I think, you know, for me, you know, someone who's kind of been doing this for a little bit of time, you know, I've been seeing and we kind of saw when, when the crisis hit that this is kind of how it was going to play out. And I think that there have been some changes. You know, we've also companies have evolved in this crisis. And, you know, so now they're having more efficient tools to be able to hire people and they're using automated tools and virtual hiring. And 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 given that a lot of these job seekers were low income, they don't have access to Internet are least likely to have access to sort of technology, uh, computer um, uh you know, it is making it more difficult for them to engage in the hiring process. You know, before in-person interviews was the way that they could shine to their potential, get an employer to overcome a gap on their resume or the fact that they, they don't have a degree or there was some sort of, you know, thing that happened in their past. Um, and so, you know, in addition to sort of the economic and, and the health impacts of this crisis, now, you know, I think they're even more... Um, demoralized because they're not even getting to engage with people, you know, and the likelihood that they're going to make it through an automated process, you know, may not be the same. Um, and so I think these are things that we're going to have to look at. But, you know, it, it means that we have a lot more challenges that we did have before. Um, and, um, you know, you know, one of the things that we're really focused on as a team is trying to figure out, like, how can we even in our own goal of wanting to make sure we have eight million interviews um, um, happen on Indeed, um, how can we make sure that we're uh, allowing equitable access to those interviews and those opportunities? One of the things that's, to me, um, really key to our social impact work is that it's really just our core business. I think there's a, there's a lot of 
companies that might be in one business and then they decide they want to do something that's good for the world. And that and that's wonderful. In our case, our mission of helping people get jobs is the thing that we're focused on and that has a social impact. And and partnerships play a key role because as you've been talking about, there are certain areas where we do that really well. And then there's certain types of job seekers that are harder to reach. And one of the things that's that's really, um, I think, so essential to, to the work that you're doing is is finding these partners where where we can bring something to help them with their mission and then they can do something to help us. Can you can you talk a little bit about the the role of partnerships and social impact? Yeah, no, I mean, you know, as I said before, it's where we kind of pilot and test solutions. And I think, you know, the strategic partnerships team, you know, we kind of think very carefully about the types of partners that we go and identify and um, engage with because we do want to have that you know, what are we bringing to the table and what are they also, how can they work collaboratively with us to solve our, our ultimate goal, which is getting more job seekers hired um, through our initiatives. And so, you know, from uh, as we kind of go and test, I think now we're kind of thinking a little bit differently about um, the types of solutions, um, you know, with folks like Goodwill or Shaw Trust, we're now thinking about if the world has changed and we're now job seekers are going to have to interact with automated um, you know, recruiting, uh, virtual recruiting, how can we collaborate with these partners to figure out what, how should we, what types of content and how should we share that with this job, with the job seekers so that they can you know, absorb it and do what they need to do to prepare to be successful. And so that's a collaborative effort. We can come up with a tool, we can come up with content, but you know, we really need our partners to, to weigh in and co-design that with us so that we're, um, we're doing it in the best way possible. And I think that, you know, that's something that we want to focus on through partnerships. I think the biggest thing that we're also thinking about from a partnership perspective is how do our clients play into this? You know, our clients are hiring. Um, how do we work with our clients to help them think differently about this, about this talent pool? For example, um, you know, a lot of people, one of the top three you know, reasons that job seekers could have barriers are that they have no bachelor's degree, um, they have a gap on their resume, or they've been long-term unemployed. Well, now, because of COVID, we're going to have a lot more people in the long-term unemployed category. So how do we start working with clients to get them to consider people that they might not have considered before? Um, and, um, you know, a lot of that is going to be piloting and testing. We, we know some things that work through our collaborations with J.P. Morgan Chase and with um, Omni Hotels and Resorts. But I think that we really should, could dig deeper there and think about, like, what can we do? What can we build together with our clients? Um, and maybe we can develop some sort of, you know, inclusive hiring toolkit with, with products and tools that help them um, hire uh, more inclusively. Um, so that's kind of how we're thinking about how partnerships could play a role. So you mentioned this uh, idea of uh, the pandemic being business as usual for uh, inequity and, and inequality. Um, one of the things that you also mentioned, though, is that it has clearly shined a light on some of these issues. How, how do you imagine or what are your hopes for the impact of this crisis on the future of the job market? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that I've seen is that we're starting to talk differently. You know, I think before the crisis, especially when I was at the mayor's office, we would have these conversations and we would talk about like the hidden impacts of our great recession recovery. Like what's behind the curtain that no one's talking about, sort of the stagnant wages, 
the you know rise of the gig economy, which a lot of the people that do have bachelor's degree have fallen into as sort of moving from one gig to another and all while costs, higher costs, higher healthcare costs, higher housing costs. And so I see that people are now starting to use that language. They're starting to talk about that. And they're talking about the fact that COVID has just revealed all of this, that it, you know, it was there before, we're just now seeing it more clearly. Um, I think that's great. I think that it, the fact that that is main, part of the mainstream conversation is a really good thing. And, you know, what I'm also seeing is that, you know, internally, you know, more people are speaking this language and, and people understand really what it might take to uh, really change the way that our society works so that, you know, people are not signing up for precarious jobs paths or career paths and settling for that. They have an opportunity to, um, you know, have one job um, that pays for their family, pays for themselves. And, you know, it means that for us, we need to focus on, you know, that that whole conversation around equitable access to these these roles and, and being able to get the chance to be interviewed and, and to receive an offer. And so, you know, I think that it's, it's hopeful. Um, I'm hopeful. And I can see people already starting to... Um, tackle some of the systemic issues that kind of brought us to where we are. So you mentioned that a key part of, of what we can bring to our partnerships, uh, obviously there's our technology and our people, but also our customers. We have, we have millions of employers around the world that, that we work with. What can Indeed employees and the employers that we work with all over the world, what can they do to help us get to this future? Yeah, I think, you know, I think part of it is looking very closely um, at how you're hiring today. And, and, you know, I've been a hiring manager in several of my roles. um, And even me, as I've sort of evolved and got more exposed, have seen things that maybe were done in the past that, you know, they just didn't provide full access. Um, And so how can we change? You know, I think first is the recognition that you could do some things differently and then kind of go on this process of figuring out how and actually implement them. And I think that's where we can we can play a role. We can help. I think a lot of employers do want to do uh, the right thing and, and want to be more inclusive, but they just don't know where to start. And I think that that's part of what we're really excited about. And I think that that's what we mean when we say client partnerships are sort of the next avenue of our collaborations and our partnerships is to help them figure out who they're hiring, you know, if, you know, if we're looking at the chain of their interview process, where might be people falling in and out of the process and how can we design interventions, tools to help them maintain and stay in the process? Um, And how can we educate them on the fact that, you know, as I just said, you know, a lot of people are going to be unemployed. (laughs) They've been unemployed. They've been long-term unemployed. That doesn't necessarily say that they're not going to be a great member in your, in your team. Um, in fact, we really need to be focusing on skills and potential and not some of these um, other signals that we thought meant something, that we have a lot of data even before COVID that they did not actually mean what we, we were hoping they meant in terms of, will this person stay on with us? Will this person be loyal? Will this person perform really well? Um, and so I think it's it's about you know being there for them once they've made the recognition and providing them with the tools and support so that they can, um, you know, meet their goals and, and be an inclusive employer. I could keep talking about this stuff for, for hours, but um, we, have to, we have to bring things to a close here. What I'd love to do is actually come back to um, where we started with, with you. So we talked about what, what Indeed can do and what our uh, employers and employers around the world can do. Um, what do you think um, you will take away from this experience of the pandemic? How has, 
how has it changed your perspective, uh, you know, really moving forward? Yeah. You know, I think that it's, it's really kind of validated that maybe the work that I'm doing is important. Not that, you know, you kind of know that, but I think that, I think what attracted me to job space is that it's so essential. Like, this, like you cannot hit any of their parts of making people happy and whole without talking about work. And um, so I think it, it's made me realize that this is really important. There's a lot more work to be done. Um, and, you know, it, it doesn't have to be done alone, right? I think that for me, I've always kind of said and lived by the sort of idea that you should fall in love with this, the problem and not the solution. So I've worked in different different sides of the table to kind of get at the solution. And I think that now in this partnership role, it's also saying you need all those people at the table. Um, Indeed can't do it alone. Our clients can't do it alone. We need some other people guiding us and collaborating with us. And I think that's what's really exciting about partnerships is that you can get that other perspective um, and kind of, you know, you have that support as you're moving along this, this goal of, of, of creating more ex- equitable access to, to great jobs. And so, um, it's made me hopeful despite all of this, despite all the challenges that we're, we're getting there. We're making some progress. Well, and I thank you so much for joining me for this conversation today, but really thank you for everything that you do. Um, you know, our mission is to help people get jobs and it's so clear that you and your team are just living and breathing that every single day. And so thank you for everything you do to help people all over the world. Yeah. Thank you.